Hi, I'm Maya. I am a YouTuber, but I prefer to say video essayist and overall nerd. I'm Hannah. I'm a barista, but I prefer to say genius. And I spend too much time on TikTok. And this is Rehash, a podcast about the social media phenomenons that strike a nerve in our culture only to be quickly forgotten, but we think are due for a revisiting. This season is on the public theater, which is all about our collective fascination with a good public villain. Okay, so this is the Try Guys episode. Are you excited? Yes, it's also our pilot episode. Yes, it is. So if we're super, super annoying, that's why. Just to give you guys an idea of what the structure of this podcast is, we are going to each kind of present a topic, um, the topic of the day, to each other, and then kind of guide a bit of a discussion on it. This episode is on the Try Guys, or more specifically, Ned Fulmer and the controversy that has been surrounding them recently, which has been a very hot button issue for some reason. For some reason, but also for us. We've been thinking and talking about this one a lot. A lot. So, on September 2nd, 2022, a user on r slash Try Guys, a subreddit dedicated to the decidedly millennial YouTube channel where four BuzzFeed expats try new things for the enjoyment of millions, which has taken off into a multi-platform enterprise, gaining 11 spin-off series and a show on the Food Network, ominously lets slip in an argument that Ned Fulmer, one of the channel's founders and designated wife guy, openly cheats on his wife, Ariel. Members of the subreddit then began noticing a conspicuous absence of Fulmer from the new videos, as well as the channel's intro sequence, which he had taken part in filming. Blurry videos of Fulmer and an associate producer of the channel, Alexandria Herring, engaging in public intimacy were then posted on the Reddit, with users as well as Herring's fiancé of 10 years confirming that Fulmer and Herring were on a business trip together in New York around the time that these videos were dated. Rumors started circulating more widely and were confirmed by Fulmer on September 27th when he posted on Instagram, quote, Family should have always been my priority, but I lost focus and had a consensual workplace relationship. I'm sorry for any pain that my actions may have caused to the guys and the fans, but most of all to Ariel. The only thing that matters right now is my marriage and my children, and that's where I'm going to focus my attention. Fulmer and his wife Ariel have two young children together, the privacy of whom Ariel asked people to respect in a separate statement on her own Instagram. But of course, with Ned's millions of followers now aware of this indiscretion, the information had now been seized by public attention and privacy was not in the question. Twitter exploded in support of Ariel, lambasting Ned for conducting what they viewed to be an inherently non-consensual relationship between himself, a boss and founder of the company, and one of his employees. The Try Guys then released a video on October 3rd, ominously titled, in all lowercase, what happened? We'll talk about the video more later, but all you need to know right now is that it takes on a very serious tone, where the three men, rehearsed and brimming with disappointment, relay the series of events that led to them finding out about Ned and Alexandria's affair. They also confirm that Ned has been let go from the company and will be edited out of any new content that he took part in. People were deeply moved by the video, tweeting things like, Shout out to the Try Guys for making the most professional update video, I know that shit was not easy. I think Ned should be in one more Try Guys video where Eugene slaps the shit out of him. And 
If the Try Guys can kick out a member of their friend group slash business who they've been with for 10 plus years for cheating, everybody else should be able to do so too. Overall, public support has been very much in favor and empathetic towards not only Ariel, but also the three other members of this channel, who they view to be traumatized by the situation, having lost a friend and, allegedly, a lot of money due to Ned's actions, and who they believe to have handled the situation professionally and appropriately. After all, cheaters deserve to be punished, right? So, Hannah, I know you're more or less just as informed on this topic as I am. We've discussed it at length before even conceiving of doing this episode. So I think we should just, like, jump right in. I think you and I are very much in the minority of people on Twitter who were perplexed by this situation. Um, I've seen detractors here and there, but for the most part, and I think this became very apparent to me when I myself tweeted about it, people really seem to be up in arms about this. And I think what was most striking to me when I was first reading about the controversy was the use of language. And I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. More specifically, I've seen a lot of language being used kind of in online forums and by news outlets that seems to kind of situate cheating in a place that's akin to abuse. And this was done in a similar way with, like, Adam Levine pretty recently. People using phrases like allegations or coming forward, which is kind of a lot of the phrases we heard back in 2017 when this kind of Me Too reckoning was happening. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Did you kind of see that playing out as well when you were on Twitter during this time? Absolutely. I mean, I was trying not to engage with the story at all, but it was just showing up on my timeline without me having to really engage with it or look it up. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, most of the tweets I was seeing were certainly in opposition to Fulmer who I had never heard of before this. Even though I don't know who these guys are really and I don't have an emotional investment in them, I felt like a nerve was being struck within me by seeing people talk about cheating just generally in ways that are akin to the kinds of behaviors that actually reckon something like Me Too. It's hard because our culture has recently allowed for women to finally experience a degree of validation when speaking out about mistreatment. We've also become more accepting of the notion that abuse does not have to be sexual or physical. However, because the internet loves to take ideas and concepts and milk them until they lose all meaning, we've seen the ways that the language around abuse allegations has been applied to anything that qualifies as a mistreatment towards women. And this isn't to say that like we've gone too far or suggest that there's a witch Cancel hunt. culture has gone too far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, I don't want it to sound like that. I'm just worried when I see words like gaslighting or love bombing and that kind of stuff be applied so freely in ways that diminishes the power of the terms when they're applied to like appropriate situations. Yeah. And I know that those are not the words being used here, but I think allegations and stepping forward and all of that also go in under that umbrella. I've just been finding it a little alarming in the way we're kind of we're kind of losing the spectrum of things. And like I I just I don't know. It's the situation where I'm like, am I crazy? that I feel like I'm the only one who has perspective on this. It feels like kind of a perspective issue, but then when you say that, it feels like people kind of accuse you of diminishing the harm that was done. But genuinely, some things I think are objective, and this I can probably say that I can objectively say that cheating is not the same as 
committing a sexual assault crime, you know what I mean? But the way that people are talking about it and the way people responded to my tweet even on Twitter, which, okay, this whole podcast is not going to be me complaining about tweets, but there are a couple episodes that do kind of relate to my experience on Twitter with these issues. And a lot of the people responding to my tweet were like, cheating is a form of abuse. And the fact that you're saying this is a silly issue is honestly really whack and harmful to the community. And I was like, what community? What community is around cheating? Like, it's just, it's, the community, I don't know. The monogamous community. It's a really <laughs> an offense to the monogamy community. Obviously, we know cheating is not the same as polyamory. It's no. obviously different things. But I do think that this framing it as a net bad thing, which yes, it is bad, but just in this really objective way instead of thinking about the nuances of infidelity how it is different in every situation and it is complicated it feels like a really weird old-fashioned viewing yeah. of of relationships to think of like infidelity as the worst fucking thing you can do to your spouse that it's on par with actually causing harm to your spouse and like this is not to say like cheating does cause harm it does cause harm psychological harm for sure you get you can develop trust issues you can develop issues with your self-image whatever whatever of course but there is a spectrum of it and it is not the same as i just think it's actually harmful to put it on the same tier as other forms of like uh, abuses forms of abuse now we can split hairs about it all we want about whether or not we think cheating is a thing i could have brought a psychologist on here but honestly (laughs) the point of this episode the point (laughs) someone I don't know any psychologists. I'm just fucking kidding. But um, join BetterHelp to meet one. <laughs> and this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Thank you so much. Just um, kidding. It's not, it's not sponsored by BetterHelp. But ultimately, what I'm saying is that we can split hairs about what cheating is, how much psychological harm it does. But uh, I just don't even think it's relevant to this discussion, to be honest. What is relevant, I think, is like the proportion of outcry that happened in relation to this situation. I really think it's kind of this conflating of criminality and morality. Mm -hmm. And like every single debate about morality has to be used within the same language of criminality. And I do think that everything, I think most things are up for debate. And I think cheating should be up for debate. It it, it honestly raises a really interesting discussion that people are just completely shutting down because we're looking at it in such a black and white way. Yeah, this just kind of reminds me of those kind of like 90s morality scandals, like um, when Hugh Grant cheated on Liz Hurley and everyone with a sex worker, I think it was, and everyone freaked out. And it's like, okay. It's, It's also kind of a conflating of the private and the public. You know what I mean? If this person is a danger to society, which being a sex criminal is then yeah, I think we as society have a right to be like, go away, stop that. Go away. But <laughs> cheating on your wife is shitty, right? To her. And like your kids. Yeah, it is <laughs> shitty, but we as the public, I don't know, we don't get to feel like this is a man who needs to be stopped. Because yeah, it's- <laughs> to be clear, I've never cheated on anybody before. But if I had, those are people make mistakes. I too have not cheated on anybody. And I actually did get accused of being a cheater when I made that tweet. Someone was like, well, you must be a cheater then if you seem to think. Like, everyone was kind of like, I'm really shocked that you would have this take. And I was like, have you watched my channel? <laughs> because <laughs> it's like all I talk about half the time. Yeah, I think using this kind of language that we use to talk about people like Harvey Weinstein, who, yes, was a danger and also harmed, did physical, psychological... Uh, organizational harm to basically, and we'll get to that later, the organizational part, to so, so many women did put it up for, gra- like, pu- like you know, grounds for debate because he was kind of a microcosm of this greater industry 
ill, really, like this greater sickness in the Hollywood industry of men taking advantage of their power. But I really just don't think that Ned Fulmer cheating is a microcosm of anything other than Ned Fulmer decided to cheat on his wife for reasons that we have no idea of. Mm-hmm. There's this article by this, um, I think it's a, she's a journalist named Shannon Keating, um, where she kind of discusses this Ned Fulmer case. We'll link this for you guys if you want to read it. But it's basically talking about the Ned Fulmer scandal. And she has this really good quote that I think is really good um, and also good for the discussion today. She says, It's one thing to think that cheating in the abstract is a clear wrong, but it's another thing entirely to consider it across the board without qualifications as an act of abuse and deserving of social, professional, and even carceral consequences. Because yes, there have also been tweets saying that Ned Ned Fulmer should be in prison. But do we, are these serious tweets about him going to prison? Oh, the Try Guys have a very dedicated fan base who are very angry about this. I tell you all the time that certain things and people should go to jail and it is completely as a joke. Oh, we tell each other to go to jail all the time. Go to jail. I I have very liberal uh, or very loose. Yeah, views (laughs) about the penal system except when I say it to my friends. Except (laughs) if somebody annoys me in my personal life then they can go to jail but yeah i think really what her quote is getting at is this kind of idea of this that we have this really inflexible way on the internet of thinking about the human condition cheating causes harm to another person yes it can also be indicative of someone's character someone who cheats you know chronically without care or remorse for the person that they're doing it to or the people that they've done it to can be viewed as having you know like whatever, self-involved tendencies. I'm not going to go out here and try to pathologize it. But, you know, and like, you know, lacking in empathy in some ways. Someone who cheats once and immediately regrets it and apologizes to their partner for the harm they've caused probably can't be viewed the same way. Like, even cheating can be placed on a spectrum of the human condition. And, you know, someone who conducts an ongoing affair is probably someone in the middle, somewhere in the middle there. Ultimately, we don't know Ned Fulmer. We don't know why he felt the need to betray his wife. We don't even know what he and his wife's situation was. Maybe we'll find this out as the podcast comes out, but I have no idea what their agreement was. Well, that's the thing. To their marriage. (laughs) I, honest to God, believe, maybe not in this case, but in a lot of situations where a celebrity is caught, quote unquote, like cheating on their partner and then they have to do an apology tour, I think that way more people in Hollywood are in open relationships than many of us would assume even if they're not talking about it you think that a married couple is gonna spend that much time apart from each other and not have some kind of don't ask don't tell policy about who else they're seeing (laughs) sorry maybe that's not the right terminology you're going to jail i have sources that have told me things that i cannot relay to you trusty podcast audience but believe me Oh, oh. <laughs> but believe me. Hannah's an industry insider. <laughs> I have industry insiders and monogamy in Hollywood is not as much of a thing as you would think it is. And even like, I'm sure a lot of people could argue, well, no, we do know their situation. You guys just don't watch the Try Guys. It doesn't matter. Either way, even if, <laughs> I, even, yeah. even if they didn't have this agreement, we don't know Ned. Yet here we are kind of sitting as moral arbiters of his life and what we think his punishment should be and what we think what we think drove him to do this, which apparently is just because he's evil. Think about it. If your bus driver was like an actual criminal who had done bad things to women, you'd be like, I'm getting off this bus. If your bus driver was just a shit guy and maybe cheated on his wife, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to yeah. stay on the bus. <laughs> 
this whole thing that people keep saying of like, this should be an example of how you need to hold your friends accountable for cheating. No. You know what? Okay, Don't be a snitch. If, if my friends cheat, which, you know, we won't get into that because it's none of your business. I'm not telling anybody. I'm not. No, no, no. Well, it's just. I'm not. It's, I'm, no. Of course, I would have a discussion with my friend <laughs> about maybe the fact that I don't know if I agree, but I would also ask them why, what the context was. I would not just, d- and we'll yeah. get to this later, dump their ass because I think it's like an evil that they committed. Like no. I'm their friend. Because <laughs> when you actually know somebody intimately, you know that there are different there comp- nuances and things going on that have probably propelled them into this situation. You wouldn't jump to conclusions and also don't be a snitch. And also, yeah, if your friend's a serial cheater who's horrible to every single partner, then maybe, yeah, that's cause for concern. But again... I don't even know if this is that situation. But the court of public opinion is not a real court at the end of the day. The facts are murky. They're disjointed. They're half-formed. Yet the punishment is always guilty, which is interesting. Mm. And there's a reason that ethics is such a broad subject that's been, like, debated and discussed forever. There's The truth is that, like, nothing really is absolute (laughs) ethically. Like, nothing really is. I may be murder. Murder is absolute. I just love that this is what we're jumping to now. Okay, goodbye to the rest of the podcast. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing is real or absolute. (laughs) Nothing means anything. Nothing matters. So no one should care about anything. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I think a lot of what's been guiding people's kind of black and white opinions about this and kind of like the vitriol has been this way that we're discussing Ned Fulmer's relationship with Alexandria Herring, the, Mm. the woman he had an affair with, as being... Having an inherent power imbalance in it. People are therefore saying that the relationship is kind of inherently non-consensual. I have personally had a lot of issues with that as well. I I think we paint these kinds of situations as being the same and really they should be looked at in more of a case-by-case nature. Having an affair with a subordinate is like ethically dubious, right? But those ethics are dependent on the position of that person in the company. You know, was she his intern or his assistant? No. So, well, so we can get into that, like who she is. So Herring is an associate producer with the Try Guys. Mm -hmm. And she began as a production manager, neither of which are very low ranking positions. I tried to look into the organizational structure of the Try Guys network. It sounds like just a really small team. It's very collaborative. It doesn't actually sound very hierarchical. Obviously, it is like a bit hierarchical because there are people who own it and are the bosses and people who aren't. But for the most part, it doesn't seem like it's a very traditional structured business. And also from what I've researched, her age Honestly, it's been really hard to find out, but her age in all of the things that I've read ranges anywhere between 24 and 31, which goes to say she's a full-fledged adult with a fully de- developed frontal cortex. Well, from what she's I understand. 24. Yeah, it just, I just find that discussing it as like an inherently imbalanced, non-consensual relationship simply because he owns the company and she works for him kind of collapses a lot of the nuances of organizational affairs. And I find it, and I think you've said this too, really infantilizing of her, like making her into this kind of victim when like, 
I just don't think it has to be the case every single time. This is not the same as Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky having an affair, Bill Clinton being the president and Monica, Monica Lewinsky being 21. Like, I'm just, I just bring it back to like being like a political candidate sleeping with like an 18-year-old intern. It is not the same as that. This is a bit different. I mean, yes, he definitely has a degree of power that yes. he can wield over her. Not only is he a public figure, but yeah, he runs or is one of the co-runners of the company that employs her. And he's very, very wealthy because of it. Yes. And he's older. He's older. It appears she is in a relatively important role in the company. I don't think that, you know, this is would be an example of him making her think that if she slept with him, then she could grow her career. But again, I don't actually know these people. I think, look, if that part really bothers you, Sure, I get that. I a lot more than the yeah ethics of cheating. But even that, I think, is not an absolute thing. No, that, it's complicated. And I do think a lot of it's a lot of young people kind of drilling yeah. this in. Who, yes, we can look at the world in this very extreme black and white way. But at the end of the day, not everything has to be whittled down to this ideological issue. Yeah. I, I. I don't know. Of course, there's a bit of a power imbalance, but it doesn't necessarily mean that she was a non-consenting person or that she's incapable of consenting because she works under him. Yeah, and I don't think that we should paint everything with the same moral brush. And Twitter, I think, is really defined by its insistence upon, like, upholding this idea of, like, moral absolutism. So it's this idea that there are a set of, like, immutable moral codes that define our world. It's this kind of belief system that's more concerned with the moral action rather than its consequences. So... The idea that an action can be bad regardless of the consequence. The example people love to use is stealing bread is always bad. The action of stealing bread is always bad, regardless of whether or not, you know, someone was impoverished and stealing it to feed their family. So in the Try Guys situation, Twitter has kind of characterized cheating as this absolute wrong that must be punished in the same way, regardless of context. I don't think that that's how life works. No, I also feel like a lot of people are probably taking their own experiences with being cheated on and projecting it onto this, mm -hmm. right? They want some kind of vengeance for the maligned. They're treating it kind of like a systemic issue, which I just think it's a pretty individual, interpersonal issue, cheating. <laughs> Personally, maybe you can disagree with me, listeners. Well, yeah, it's like if we take this one guy and really punish the fuck out of him, then all will be balanced in our own emotional pain. Yeah. That is kind of what it is. What is it? What's the term? The something goat? Sacrificial lamb. He's the... Sa oh, <laughs> we're so empathetic. He's the sacrificial lamb of cheating. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get so much hate for that. <sighs> I think that kind of comes into like the way that people have been kind of wanting to uphold him as the great villain of cheating. And that kind of comes into this that parasocial idea, which I think we should... Yeah. We can, you know, segue into. What I've really found with this entire situation is that the crux of it is not really the cheating. It's the fact that people seem to feel bamboozled or betrayed by Fulmer's celebrity persona as the, quote, wife guy. We saw a similar thing happen when John Mulaney, who focused a lot of his stand-up material on the my wife shtick. My wife. <laughs> when he left his wife and quickly got together with Olivia Munn, Ned and Ariel did like an architectural digest of their home. They documented their pregnancies and miscarriages. They released a date night themed cookbook and so on, which, okay, I find that so cringe, but I just find the Try Guys cringe in general. I'm not going to lie. I don't get it. What is what is a 
date night recipe. Things that you guys can make for your date night, which I'm like, isn't that just a night in? Isn't that just cooking for two? Yeah, it's literally just a night in if you live together. Like, I don't understand why that's a date night. My question is, what is it about the wife guy persona that really draws people in and then attracts so much vitriol when it's kind of the illusion of it is shattered? I think there's something about couples or families as public entities that we become attached to in ways that differ from when it's a single person. If as single people exhausted by dating, we look to these wife guys as the outliers in a sea of assholes, then it can be crushing that these beacons of hope we've been projecting our desires for love onto are no better than the chumps on Tinder. Yeah, true. There are definitely fictional couples in movies and on TV that I see and I'm like, oh, I want that. I want exactly that. But those were written by screenwriters to exemplify beautiful romances. They don't have the actual flaws that come with human relationships. Uh, No human being is a perfect partner. And this is true for some more than others, which is a harsh reality to face. Yeah, totally. And I think that's why we get so mad about it. And I think they also kind of uphold, they like kind of give us this this illusory concept of like, or this elusive concept of the good man, yeah. the one good man and this concept of like domestic bliss, kind of similar to what you're yeah. saying. And like when it is shattered, it yeah, it gives us this harsh awakening to reality that we are not ready to handle because yeah, we do treat it kind of like it's a movie. To be fair, they've made their lives into content. We're consuming content. They're you like, know what I mean? Like they're narrativizing their lives. The golden examples of heteronormativity and why the thing that we've been brainwashed into striving for our entire lives since children, which is to be in this perfect, blissful marriage and have a family, they they exemplify that to its fullest. And then we're like, oh, fuck, life is a bit more complicated than that. Totally. This word I see a lot online right now, which is what made me think that people kind of feel bamboozled, hypocrisy. With the sentiment kind of being that Fulmer deserves everything that's coming to him because he, quote, asked for it Mm -hmm. by commodifying this persona of being a doting husband, Mm -hmm. making his brand solely out of that concept, which to be fair, like he does do it a lot on the Try Guys, but he's also one of the Try Guys, like he tries things. He's not just doing family wife content, like he also does have other things that he does on the channel. I just think people love that gotcha moment. Gotcha, you're not as nice as you say you are. Honestly, I think the real crime is the existence of media about people's relationships or families. Why do... Ugh, it's gross and weird. I don't want to watch your perfect, stupid relationship. A podcast that, honestly, if you like what we're covering, you should check it out. It's late in case you missed it. I see why am I. Uh, they had an episode where they interviewed a former BuzzFeed employee who was a part of their show. I think it's called Ladylike or Unladylike which was sort of the sister show to the Try Guys uh, at BuzzFeed. And she just talked about her experience during those peak BuzzFeed years as an online personality of theirs and how you kind of were given your one thing. And that was the that was your whole brand. And all of your content sort of had to be around like, oh, if you were the plus size person, you were talking about your experience through that. Or yeah, if you're the guy in the marriage, then you're the guy who talks about his marriage and you were kind of put in these boxes to try and make as much money from that. And we should remember, yeah, they did start at BuzzFeed. They started as employees of a different organization. Mm -hmm. So we we actually like don't know what 
what his wife guy persona came out of. I don't think it was him just being like, I'm such a nice guy. You know, I don't think that that was his deci- his personal choice necessarily. I think it's it's, yeah, it's a part of the brand. I have this really good quote from this article called A Trust Betrayed Celebrity and the Work of Emotion. It's a bit long, but I'll try to read it quickly. The scandalized celebrity then, even if rehabilitated through confession and abject self-exposure, remains an ambivalent public figure, initially set up as the idealized emblem of successful individualism, then cast out from idealized status. Although they may return to public favor, they must remain open to constant observation for signs of setbacks, recidivism, subterfuge, or deceit. Celebrity status then is an endless project to achieve, sustain, and manage. And while the personal revelation of the celebrity persona can be cheap to reproduce, at a more personal or psychic level, it must be very costly indeed. And I think that's so interesting. It's this idea of the celebrity persona is an idealized persona, and that is so hard to live up to. I It's hard for Ned to live up to his own persona. I don't want to be an armchair psychologist, but, you know, a lot of the times when people feel like they're pressured into this one thing, they go in the complete opposite direction. Maybe there's a psychology fact for that, but that's what I feel like is the case. <laughs> I mean, human beings are not brands. Like, genuinely, even if you are trying your best to be that persona all the time, you simply cannot be. I mean, look at basically every person who's come out of Disney who is like, it was fucking exhausting and horrible to try and like come of age while adhering to this very specific brand of a young person and having to do things that were part of that image. Everybody's criticized it since they've grown up out of it. Totally. So yeah, it makes sense that if you are a person who is a representative of this greater idea, which in his case is being a wife guy, that you would feel fucking tired from that. Totally. And you shouldn't really, even if you're making money from it, nobody is supposed to be at work 24 hours a day. Exactly. And so you're allowed to take a vacation from that. Yeah, like you can't, if you are your, your brand, you're not allowed to take your mask off and clock out for the day, you know what I mean? And that's, that's. oh, I just realized that's what the Lindsay Ellis apology video is, why it's called that. That's funny. We'll get to that in a different episode. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of segueing a little bit, but did you watch the response video? And what did you think? I did. <laughs> this I'll is, admit. Sorry to reiterate. This is the video with the three other Try Guys that's entitled, What Happened? Period. All lowercase. I did. It was a bit ago. So I'll be honest that I don't fully remember much, except that when I was watching it, calling out to you and being like, ugh. This is so stupid. We live together, by the way. This is why we we also just yell things to each other from our respective rooms. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're talking on like one of those um, tin can phones with a string attached to it. Yeah. um, That goes all across the city from one apartment to the other. We actually live in 1952. What? I don't know. I think that's just what people from the 50s did, among other things. She's so smart. (laughs) You know she has a master's degree? Before I even saw the video, I saw the SNL parody of it, which wasn't that good. I didn't think it was, like, that funny, but I thought it was apt, which people did not agree with. Again, going back to my timeline being taken over by this bullshit, it was all suggested tweets telling me how horrible it was of SNL to do this and to make fun of these poor men. And one person even tried to suggest that it was homophobic to make Bo and Yang play Eugene, the guy, because yeah. they're both 
gay men and but like Bo and Yang also partly wrote <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. episode like <laughs> anyways people thought the video was this very authentic expression of grief on the part of the Try Guys because they saw it as them feeling fundamentally so horribly betrayed by their good friend that they were expressing this like almost trauma from the situation. I use that word with a grain of salt. And then also this grief over the fact, and I'll get to this in a little bit, of the fact that he compromised their business. I actually have another little quote. Sorry, guys. It's from the same um, article. It says, The ready expression of emotion has become a yardstick for measuring the healthy performance of the achieving subject in both public and private life. Hence, the celebrity figure performing emotion is at the high end of the spectrum of emotional conduct. Conduct which by many of us are now expected to manage our public lives in order to demonstrate integrity, authenticity, and personal commitment to our public role. What I think what it comes (laughs) down to is kind of that it's a performance a little bit. Celebrities in these situations need to kind of self-flagellate in order for us to empathize with them, I think this was a really good business PR move for them to be expressing these, ext- to me, pretty extreme emotions of grief. Obviously, I'd be bummed to hear that, like, my yeah. my favorite couple friends are breaking up and that one of them hurt the other. But, like, th- I this was crazy. I wouldn't put that on YouTube for but, other like, people to watch. Really, it was a PR. It was a business move. We'll get to that in a bit. But it's giving hey, sister. It is giving hey, sister. It is giving Hey Sister, but I just don't, because people really trust them, they really bought into it. And I do think what I saw it as is these guys trying to kind of image manage their personas as being these like, these really like kind hearted millennial dudes. Like that is what their entire brand is, is that they're all these like, they all have their individual personas, but their whole thing is being these like really wholesome millennial guys. And I really think that this video was them trying to maintain that image for their own sakes, because what I'll get to is that it's compromising the most important thing on earth for them, revenue. Which can I just say, in the year of 2022, when, you know, teenagers have made millennials afraid to wear skinny jeans or side part their hair... I did not know that there was still an audience for this kind I'm of like content. like a very young one. And a dedicated one. I am very, very shocked. Whatever happened to roasting millennials? Guys, I'm I'm on the cusp of millennial and Gen oh. Z. I claim neither of you. She sorry. loves to say this. I She's a neither. Gen Z. I'm on the cusp. I was born in 96. Debate that all you will. She's a Gen Z. But yeah, kind of like, you know, what you were saying about Ned's persona being a brand. Like, mm. brand. It Run. seems that the real upset here is a financial one. Hmm. Ned's infidelity threatened his brand identity and therefore kind of the wholesome identity of the Try Guys as a whole. And it's funny because people are bringing that up a lot on Twitter and saying that he really harmed them financially, but they can't make the jump to think that, so maybe it isn't really that these guys are upset about the cheating. Right. And I can understand that from a business perspective, the other Try Guys would feel that they are... That there are material consequences for Yeah, I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed. But I think it's insane of us to assume that someone's branded public identity would line up completely with who they are in their private lives. I think we need to do a little, let's just do a little look um, at how much these guys make, just so you have an understanding of whether or not there is actually a risk involved. So for revenue, they have 4,000 patrons on Patreon. So if the average patron... They only have 4,000 patrons? Yeah, I'm kind of shocked about that, honestly. But I think because it's more of like 
again, a brand. Like, it's not the same as kind of, like, looking at individual YouTubers like Jenny Nicholson. I think people are less inclined to go on a Patreon for, uh, like, a YouTuber YouTube channel that has, like, multiple people on it and they're kind of more of a company. Still, it's kind of flop for them. Damn flop. If the average person, let's say, gave $25 a month, they generate around $100,000 monthly on Patreon. On YouTube... They get around 30 million monthly views. With an average RPM of $5, they'll generate about $150,000 monthly on YouTube. And then if you add merch and then Facebook, I'm reading this from a Hollywood Reporter article, by the way. If you add merch, Facebook, Snap, and sponsored content, they'll Mm -hmm. generate around $500,000 a month from that or more. Then they have, you know, their Food Network show, et cetera, et cetera. They have all their spinoff series, whatever. What the Hollywood Reporter article is kind of estimating is that's probably around $6 million per year for online content alone. And that this is not including the supplementary revenue with like their extra shows and stuff. So what the article is saying is that that's all in jeopardy. I don't know if it's in jeopardy. <laughs> I well, I, I didn't even know that these were stakes because I didn't even realize that this that they had this whole enterprise. I really thought they're like this, an empire. I thought this was a relic of BuzzFeed when I would go to do quizzes and it would suggest videos to me and i'd be like i don't really want to watch a video this is also a disclaimer hannah works with my youtube channel but she does not watch youtube I <laughs> she watch... is constantly shook by the 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 tea i watch your youtube she watches my youtube which is all that matters and be kind rewind shout out but they have this kind of digital trends forecaster on this hollywood reporter reporter article who they interview and this is what their name is coco mako <laughs> amazing so coco mako in this article is kind of Comparing the difference between Adam Levine's controversy of cheating on his wife, like the really embarrassing flirting, um, and Ned's. And they say, Adam being faithful to his partner doesn't affect his ability to sing well, whereas Ned's entire personality and character was being the wife guy. So him not being faithful as does have a direct influence on his ability to maintain that connection with his audience. That's true. Like, I don't know if Ned could have continued on the Try Guys, but again... I don't think that this will actually harm people watching the Try Guys. Looking at this parasocial ass audience, I'm sure that they're dedicated enough to keep watching, or this might have even generated more interest. It could be a dead channel. There are channels that have been really hit by scandals. When women get divorced on The Real Housewives, just because they're no longer technically a housewife doesn't mean they're going to get kicked off the show. They're going to get kicked off the show if they flop and don't bring in viewers but i do think the crucial differences and this is interesting to me is that real housewives is kind of predicated on the idea of drama and negative like almost negativity in a way Mm. whereas the try guys is kind of all about positivity and like a lot of people have described it as like their comfort viewing Mm. so i think again going back to people's like idealized thing about the wife guy it's not comfortable anymore to watch a show where one of the guys has proven to be able be capable of doing bad things And I don't know. I just think that that's, yeah, that's really stressful to me. I just find it kind of stressful and alarming. If I were the other Try Guys, I would be angry about the kind of limiting boxes that this expectation, like, forces them into. Yeah. I would want to clarify that I have an existence outside of my presence on YouTube and what I show to the public because that is something they have a right to. And yeah. instead of throwing their friend under the bus... Uh, and to be honest, I, I think, yeah, you and I both agree. I felt like they're... I think that it's kind of immoral in itself, that video. Obviously, they had to save themselves. But, like, if we're going to talk about moral purity, I don't know. It made me sad for... 
for Ned, actually. It made me empathize with Ned that three of his friends were basically like, yeah, he is evil. We hate him. We're never working with him again. And we just conducted this mass investigation into his, like, marital affairs because it pertained to our company. And I know it pertained to the company. It's an internal investigation. I know. I know. For everybody claiming to be so concerned about the well-being of his wife and their child... It seems weird to be celebrating the fact that their family's primary source of income is being cut off. I mean, to be fair, Ariel is an interior designer, but that yeah, he is obviously Which, the, the biggest. I mean, obviously, maker. it's like you know they're they're well off, totally. But it it just feels weird to me. Like, why are you making this a bigger story? Why are you adding to the fire that this is? Because it is going to impact his wife the most and probably their child and but you know and i did i did think that at the beginning i thought it when i tweeted it because i was like i actually think i find it more morally dubious to throw your friend under the bus than to or throw him to the crocodiles than to because he cheated than to cheat which people found really controversial sorry sometimes you have to be hyperbolic on the internet Mm. but i do think that it was their desperate attempts to save themselves from abuse. And I actually kind of think that's fair, not to Ned. I actually think it's sad for Ned. And I think it's ridiculous of the audience to not... Whatever. I I have explained this in the precursor video on YouTube. But, you know, punishing someone does make a murderer out of the moralist. And I think everyone shaming Ned, including his friends, are kind of engaging in that as well. Like, this kind of moral impurity. Yeah, but and also just probably causing... Like, contributing to the problems that are going to take place in their household in their household but i do empathize that they they, these guys could also be hurt be terribly abused like ned has been by their own public and i think that is why they made this video personally this is all speculation i am alleging i'm not but why why would the public be mad at them what did they do for being complicit in the cheating people were like oh did they know did they know we still don't know if they knew they say they didn't know but i'm like how did you not know because (laughs) people want them just just be sitting at home like eating ice cream and like being cute sending each other like stickers doggo sending each other doggo memes I'm sure that all of these guys have some kind of secret part of their life that if you knew about it, you'd be like, yeah, I'm sure if you looked into all the different Try Guys, you will find out (gasps) they're human. But I think, you know, I just wanted to kind of end with this idea, you know, as much as the public loves to place the situation onto this moral microscope, it seems that people close to the situation are more concerned about how it'll affect the future of the company. And if audiences can recognize that, then why can't they recognize the artifice of celebrity? That's what this season is going to look at, the impenetrable artifice of celebrity. So catch us next week where we will be talking about Hannah. Let's go. Taylor Swift! Taylor Swift! An impenetrable artifice of celebrity. The high priestess of me ever since I was 12. To kind of disclaim the end of this episode we are not trying to bring more harm to these guys i actually just empathize i maybe i empathize too easily but i empathize with all of them in this situation and it kind of sucks and i just wish the public would kind of like get their noses out of people's private business yeah and let us do that for you with this whole podcast (laughs) and even if it's an organization that's the organization's business again not yours so I mean, look, I'm like, I feel weird being like, keep out of other people's business when I love to be in other people's business. We are nosy girls. We are not exempt from this. We're not perfect. We are not perfect uh, (laughs) public pop culture consumers.
I just think that there are a lot of interesting questions that this raises. I hope that we've expanded on them. Maybe we've answered some. Maybe you're really mad at us. Maybe you're hitting subscribe right this very moment. And on that note, hit subscribe. And also watch my YouTube channel. And Hannah, anything you want to promote? No. Follow Hannah on Instagram <laughs> and like her thirst traps. I'm actually private on Instagram at this moment. Well, this season will we'll, uh, show that Hannah's choice to be private on Instagram is a good idea. Rehash is hosted by Hannah Rain and me, Maia. It's produced by me, and the intro and outro song is produced by our talented friend Ian Mills. Thanks for listening.